Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Dean Laxer, and I'm back with another podcast. And to be honest, this is my second recording because the first time around when I started making this podcast again, um, I was I, I, I caught myself diving into this uh, Russian-Ukrainian politics uh, garbage that we have right now, which is less politics. It's maybe more war and misunderstood politics, I suppose. Um there's so much wrong with this uh, situation, and I think it's maybe best if I don't dive too deep into this this stuff. It is terrible as it is, you know, with, with all uh, the, the people looking for refuge, um, for shelter, and help, and all that. And I, I, really, I really hope that this issue will be resolved soon, but, well, I don't think it will, realistically speaking. You know the world is falling apart, and everywhere you look, it's just getting worse. It's it's uh, it's, it's such a chaotic situation to be in, which is very complicated for the for, for the average person to see through. You know, to just to maintain order in in our own heads, understanding what's actually going on and what's at stake here, and that is frightening to me. It really is. I don't know what the future is going to bring. I don't know if we even have a future. And on, on more than one occasion, I have to uh, confess that I don't think the human race is capable of learning anything valuable, at least. I don't think the human race is worth saving. That's my personal opinion. It's, um, the human race has, has made so many different uh, choices in life, and most of these choices have been catastrophic uh, with uh, uh, problematic results, so to speak. And I don't think that we're ever going to learn something from it because everything that we do always, you know, it comes down to money and power uh, over and over again. I mean, if you do remember my last podcast, which might, probably was not really well received because um, the topic might be garbage for most people, the elite, you know, the, the people running and controlling the world, at least from a financial standpoint, like uh, BlackRock finances and stuff like that. Um, it's... It's really, it's a tough topic. It really is. And you need years and years of research, I believe, to at least get a glimpse of what's going on out, outside, you know, and what can be described as true, what can be perceived as truth and not as lies, uh, which has been, which of these truths are fabricated for you to accept and believe, to swallow the pill, if you will, and what is still hidden? What exactly did we not understand? Which dots need to be connected because they, they belong together? And not like, you know, some, some lunatics like David Icke just connect various dots together and make up stories. And that is not good for you. I don't like David Icke, to be honest. It's, he's, um, he's a charlatan. That's my personal opinion about the guy. I don't think that... Um, Anyone out there should really take him serious. Not too much. I mean, he's he's far gone, really, in in, in, a, in a in a in a world that he crafted for himself. Some of his opinions are not bad, but you know, he behaves like he has all the wisdom in the world, and he doesn't. And uh, it's it's also frightening to me that so many people, like I said, in terms of chaos in the world, that so many people, millions 
of people follow this guy and believe him wholeheartedly, especially when it comes to the the shape-shifting lizard people, you know, controlling the government. I mean, we have to get real here. This, this, there's a point in life where you have to make a decision, this is garbage and this is not good for me, I should not believe it or follow it. You know, I should maybe stick to my own life here and try to make the best of what I have instead of running into circles, into uh, a rabbit hole, which we'll never get out of, like the flat earth theory and people, you know, falling for this kind of crap. And there's a reason why people fall for that stuff. And maybe, maybe, if I get my facts straight, I can talk about that too, to enlighten, <laughs> if if you will, if I may be so arrogant and say that, to enlighten people to understand why the human race is so susceptible to manipulation like that. There is a reason, and it's a psychological game. And basically, we're playing this game with ourselves because we don't pay attention. We don't think really for ourselves, and then we get susceptible to manipulation like religion. Then you have, you know, organized groups like like uh, the Flat Earthers and all those, those knuckleheads who think they know something that other people do not and that everyone is in on this game. Then, you know, all governments around the world working together. Yes, yeah, sure, sure. Make my day, asshole. I, I can't really, I can't take this crap. It's it's so intense that it makes you want to vomit. But that's a different story. I'll, I might come back to that later. Um, I have started painting again. I'm uh, going to continue working on that stuff uh, soon enough, I hope, to get some results. Um, I'm, I'm experimenting with an idea that I'd like to put on, on canvas. I still have some old paintings I'd like to get back to and try to get them in shape or at least, um, you know, correct that vision to some degree, which satisfies me at least. And if that's finished, I can, I can reveal that. I've been still drawing, uh, making some illustrations uh, for an old friend of mine from Switzerland. He, um, the guy who gave me the MacBook, you know, to, as, as, a, as a gift here, as a promotion uh, to, to support me in my work. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm still looking forward to that. I made a draft of the ideas and he, that, that he wanted, that he suggested that I should do. I liked it, you know, I had a, just vividly uh, a, a visual... A concept in my head and so I made the layout as, as a scribble and send him that and it appears I can do the final drawing and uh, create it in um, Affinity Photo. That's the software I'm using. Affinity Photo is a good Photoshop replacement. It has all the tools you need to create comic book art or manipulate photos of any kind, JPEGs and so forth. It's not as sophisticated as Photoshop when it comes to picture and photographic manipulation. Um, you don't have a raw filter in Affinity Photo, at least not yet anyway, not to my knowledge, and I haven't found anything remotely um, like the Photoshop version inside the software. So there is still a huge leap in between those two programs. But when it comes down to the actual tools uh, for using the software is very similar with the shortcuts and all that to Photoshop. So the learning curve is not exactly high when it comes to Affinity Photo. I think anybody can learn it. So um, if you want and you're interested, you're looking at software that you might use either for PC or, um, or the Mac, I would strongly recommend that you check it out. Affinity Photo might be worth your time. And it's not very expensive either. So I, I think I paid 65 bucks or something for a license. And I think 
from what I understand, it's a lifetime license. So you don't pay per update or, you know, whatever kind of version. These guys are trying to make graphic programs that are usable for everyone, for any purpose that you might have privately, you know, studying maybe university stuff, um, make, doing your graphic design studies or working uh, as self-employed uh, or for a company, you know. So uh, there's, uh, there's an option here. So go check it out. The other news is that there might be a new Ghostbusters movie on the horizon. Now, f- the first time I heard that, I was a bit, well, I, I was pleased to some degree, but I think we're moving towards something more, uh, I don't know. I think we're moving away from the franchise. That's what I fear with, you know, the, the 2016 reboot that pretty much failed. Um, that was a pretty clear signal that we have to say goodbye to our old heroes, not just because of the fact that they're getting older and uh, the fact that Bill Murray has been having some, some issues lately. People are trying to accuse him of stuff he did 20 years ago. So not even something terrible, mind you. It's just um, maybe because of his, his um, behavior on set which he sometimes has. He's just a very moody person, it seems, and he does whatever he wants to. And I don't think that he's a very violent person, so I wouldn't really trust all these rumors and, and reports about the guy. Um, just for, just as an example, I mean, the, to close this off, the, the new movie, I have no idea what it's about. They said it's not about afterlife. They're not continuing the afterlife storyline. They're trying something new. What that means, I don't know. Will it include Ernie Hudson? Is it going to include Dan Aykroyd? Bill Murray? Maybe not. So, you know, probably a whole new cast, new uh, uh, adventures, new stories to tell. And I think maybe it could be good, but I'm very skeptical about that. Mm. I'm drinking a cup of coffee in case you, you ask. And I'm also very protective of Ghostbusters. It's, it's true. It's my personal uh, most valuable thing from my childhood to be honest aside from captain kirk and you know uh, transformers and all that stuff but yeah, ghostbusters to me is just the holy grail of of, um, of coolness in sci-fi fantasy pseudo horror storytelling and there is nothing better for me personally at least not in my book in your book perhaps that is fine so we'll just leave that there. But to add something to the um, controversy surrounding Bill Murray and his past, I found an article somewhere online that's, that says Bill Murray was uh, behaving badly on set of the Groundhog Day. Um, if, in case you don't know that movie, f- fucking A, man, where have you been? It's one of the greatest films ever written. And it has been made and directed by Harold Ramis, the late Harold Ramis, the one that got CGI-enhanced, uh, new breath of fresh air and, and ghost life in Afterlife. So um, I read a book about his daughter, um, you know, her life with uh, my, my dad as a Ghostbuster and all that. And... It's a very touching and moving book. I do like reading it. I'm almost through with it. And I read about the incident that, that occurred on Groundhog, Groundhog Day, which is important to understand because they had a falling out 
these two guys, okay? Harold Ramis and Bill Murray have been friends for years. And just like with Dan Aykroyd together and many others as well. And um, for some reason, they got in a fight on, on that set. And it was basically because Bill Murray, as far as I understood, the book at least, uh, he was very complicated to work with and he didn't see eye to eye with Harold Ramis's vision of the movie and the tone of the movie and he wanted to be a bit different. And Harold, Ramis said, I have trouble uh, getting the name Harold out of my mouth. Harold. So it doesn't work today. I'm sorry about that. Harold Ramis. So, no, I tried to do it again. So they were in a fight between Harold and Bill. Okay, Bill said, I want the movie to be different. And Harold said, no, this is my film. You, you do as I say, please, because we have a schedule. You know, people are depending on us. You have, you have a job to do, man. And I think Bill insisted still to change the tone of the film. And according to Ramis's daughter, Harold Ramis was never known to be a violent guy or rageful in any way or even flipping out at some point, you know, just becoming hot-headed, losing his temper, and going berserk. He was a very thoughtful man. And on set, according to her, Harold Ramis was the one to freak out, grab Bill Murray by the collar, and push him against the wall, and telling him, stop this bullshit. Do your job and get it to fucking get her. Okay? I mean, get it together. Just do your thing, please. I, I don't think he, he would punch him or that he wanted to do anything more cruel than that, but he wanted to scare him probably and forcing him into a, a corner and saying, look, enough with the bullshit, do your job. That's it. That's your contract. And I think he was willing to listen to him a couple of times, but I think Bill just didn't let go and was more annoying to to his old friend. And from that day forward, Bill never never spoke to him again for 20 years straight didn't answer his calls, nothing. And Harold Ramis, you know, he felt bad afterwards and he wanted to make it up to him and try to get in contact with Bill Murray. And Bill was, well, he was kind of a sore loser, let's say, at that point. And he just didn't forget the incident and he didn't want to forgive him. Not until he learned that Harold Ramis was about to die. Then he showed up at his deathbed and made peace with him. So that's the kind of guy Bill is. He's not really a person probably who can deal with a direct confrontation. At least so it seems. I could be wrong. I never met the guy. I don't know. I, I super like the guy. I love the guy. I don't care what he does on set. This is between those two people and not for anyone else really to judge. This is what happened. That's between them. Um, Harold took it to the grave, whatever the issue really was. Maybe Bill is going to talk about that one day. I don't really know. It doesn't appear that uh, Harold Ramis's daughter, I forgot her name, sorry, um, knows even what was going on at the time. But the funny thing is, the article that I found on the internet said the, the, that it was the other way around to harm Bill Murray's reputation. They wrote, Bill was the one grabbing Harold Ramis at the collar and pushing him against the wall. That is not true. It didn't happen, and I firmly believe that that the daughter of Harold Ramis really knows more about that issue, and she was probably even somewhere near the set and production to, to, to f firmly assess what actually happened and knows a thing or two, unless, you know, in comparison to some douchebag writing a blog about something that he, he or she does not understand nor even know about. 
So that's really pathetic, and that pisses me off to no end. That's just, um, if you read stuff like that, look, don't. I don't understand the, the, this nonsense about cancel culture. Anyone who is acting a bit differently or not acting appropriately towards some kind of code of conduct based on social justice warrior idiots, they should not be just canceled. Why? It's not their call to make. It's no one's call to make, to cancel any celebrity just because someone says so. That is nuts. It's absolutely insane. And these people, they need psychiatric care. That's all I, I can think about. They need psychiatric help. They don't belong in a society where they can just run amok and force other people to believe the same bullshit. Like, for example, uh, trying to, to uh, silence Louis C.K., the comedian who had this uh, you know, sexual thing going on where he masturbated in front of two women. Okay, and he, he didn't touch them. He asked them to do it. And they maybe thought it was a joke. I don't know. I don't know exactly what they talked about or how the communication was between those two. But he did it nonetheless, and they watched, and um, he finished, and that's it. You know, and then they left. And later on, they complained and said, look, we got harassed by Louis C.K. He showed, he showed us his junk. Um, well, yeah, he asked you. Didn't he? So was it so indecent? Well, maybe maybe it was, you know, and maybe he should have thought about that before doing it. But he was clever enough at least to ask. And nobody gives him credit for the fact that he just wanted to let off some, some steam. It was a mistake. Yes, he shouldn't have done that. It's fine. We get that. Should we really condemn the person like giving him the fucking chair and a death sentence in the world just because he behaved that way. So he made a mistake. Who cares? He didn't rape anyone. You know, that's just nuts, the way people think about this stuff. The hypocrisy of it all is just mind-blowing to me how people can actually lie to themselves and pretend like they're better people, when in truth they're trying to destroy a person's life just because of a, a slip that they did. You know, and that's just nuts. And now with Bill Murray accusing him of, of misbehavior and abusive behavior from, from 20 years back? Oh, fuck yourself. Jesus Christ, get a grip. I have zero respect for people like that. I just don't understand why they would do that. It's just, it's, what a waste of time. What a waste of human potential. Man, I'd rather sit at home and trying to solve a puzzle instead of writing articles about people and just destroying them like that. So it's really mind-blowing to me how that can be even tolerated in a world like this. Well, okay, enough about that. You know my opinion about it. If you don't like it and you think I should be canceled, well, then go ahead. It's not like anybody cares about me anyway, so you won't cancel me. Hmm. My coffee is getting cold. Okay, I'm back. So the reason why I wanted to do this podcast is a different one. Um, getting back to the old topic of the keyboard phones. Yeah, that's one of those issues on my mind. The reason why I wanted to talk about it is I asked myself, should I buy or should I, let's say, support uh, Unihertz once again with their latest product, um, which they have produced at least a few prototypes of, of the new Titan Slim. That's what they call it. So there I was, you know, sitting here in my, in my underpants at home, reading the article and thinking to myself, wow, another keyboard phone. That's amazing. 
But then, of course, you know, I had like this bitter taste in my mouth, like Unihertz just came in my mouth and just, you know, never really cared <laughs> for me anyway or anyone else because their products are getting a bit worse than I am even caring to uh, think about too much or even giving them my money. So the reason for that is pretty much uh, the, the, the negative experience I had with their products of the Titan Pocket the very small, uh, let's say, BlackBerry-oriented design, at least, with a very small rectangular screen. Um, interesting ratio, of course. Of, you know, for Android, it's probably not the best solution, but you could at least make a 4 by 3 screen and try that. And I've preached about this so many times. Nobody's doing it. Ah, what, a, what a waste, okay? But that's a different story. The main problem I have is the Wi-Fi never worked with that phone. I send it back and I got a replacement after a while of waiting. Um, that is a service that was way faster before when I had the Titan. And the first Titan I had was malfunctioning. The keyboard wasn't working right. Everything else was fine, just the keyboard, which is of course essential. If you want to use it for something, you need the keyboard. So um, I sent it back and they instantly sent me a replacement and that thing I still have today. The reason why I'm keeping the Titan is because, not because of the keyboard. The keyboard, uh, it does get better over time. The longer you write on it, it becomes a bit softer, more and more responsive, let's say. And uh, it's, it, it doesn't feel as good as the BlackBerry Passport, for sure, nor any other BlackBerry I've ever had. It's, it's, there's a huge difference in quality, that's true. I knew that this was a cheaper product, but... The reason why I'm keeping it is it's very sturdy. It's been developed, made out of many parts that have been screwed together with a metal casing. Um, it, it feels like a tank in the hand. It's very heavy, it's very bulky, but it's very durable. And it's, I have it right next to me. It's currently switched off, but I still use it for uh, specific things or as a replacement phone. Um, I'd like to keep it as a replacement phone. And right now I'm currently using a Sony phone. I'll come back to that later. Well, as you can imagine, the first time around, I was amazed that the service was so good. I got a replacement phone really quickly. Everything worked fine. The Wi-Fi is trusty, durable, and doesn't lose connection. It's really good. I am blasted by this device. But the only downside here is it has a tremendously bad uh, selfie camera, front camera, and 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 uh, main camera. All cameras on this device are crap. Mildly saying it, they're really bullshit. There's not much you can do with it. Maybe during, uh, you know, daylight and stuff like that. If, 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 the, if the lighting conditions are perfect, sunny weather, you can get nice photos, for sure. But that's about it. That's as far as you can go with this device. Everything else is just nonsense. And the responding time of the camera and, and the sensor is really... Um, out of this worldly bad. So, you know, they, they made a compromise there to save money, which I understand. The camera wasn't so important to me back then, so I didn't care. I just needed a keyboard and a phone that it can actually get me through a day or two or three or four, which this device still does. And then the Titan Pocket came out and I was intrigued. I, I backed uh, one, I was one of the backers, gave them my money and just waited and then I got my phone. And instantly, 
regretted the fact that I had this phone because Wi-Fi, which is essential to me, it must work in all circumstances. It was not possible to maintain the steady connection that I talked about that in a previous podcast. So I send it back. It took a while. They waited until they received the package to make sure that they actually got my device. Then confirmed the received uh, the, the received package, then sent me my replacement phone. And guess what? That replacement phone, and I checked, it's, it was really a completely different phone, brand new, uh, different uh, serial number and all that stuff. I, I booted, I, I switched it on, loaded this thing, switched it on, booted my device, set it up, tried Wi-Fi, same result. It loses Wi-Fi connection over and over and over again, and most of the time it can't even re-establish that connection. So I got pissed, you know, so I tried to figure out how to do this, how to work around that, and I thought to myself, what a waste of time. Why even put up with this shit? And I think the reason for these failures of Unihertz are because their components that they have chosen to build in this device are not really top quality at all. They're based of, um, they're, I think they're based on components that are more second or third class when you buy them. Not premium components that you can build in any kind of device, but more the lower, the lower end of the spectrum where they cannot guarantee that all uh, modules, all um, uh, you know, transistors, all processors, all chips work flawlessly because they're not tested. I'm not quite sure where they get this stuff from, but I know from a fact that China actually has a very broad spectrum of hardware market, and you have, you know, the the, the top A quality hardware that you can buy, all components, no matter what it is, the newest hardware, maybe older ones, but always tested, fail-proof, and you can buy that for more money. Or you can go to you know lower class hardware and just hope for the best and build that stuff into your device. And you, you can be lucky and buy a cheap device that just works, will never fail you. And you can buy the same device again, maybe two weeks later, and you got a model with failing components. And that can happen, that's just tough luck. And there's nothing you can do about that except send the phone back or other devices, just send it back, get it replaced or get your money back. And that's a huge problem on the market, but as we can see, Unihertz seems to do that just fine. They keep buying cheap uh, components to make their, their phones uh, come to life. They uh, have a manufacturer, obviously, who knows what they're doing. But like I said, they're saving big on components, and that's my biggest concern here. If they could go a bit higher and make not mid-range phone, but maybe a... Uh, an upper mid-range phone. It doesn't have to be, you know, high-end. I don't believe in high-end phones. I think that's bullshit. It, every piece of technology that you get will eventually become mid-range or even old news, old school. It's going to be, you know, tossed away and never, never even be talked about, discarded like garbage. That's the world we live in. Everything is so fast-paced now. So whatever you buy is high-end, forget it. It's not. It, it already has surpassed status high-end after you purchase it. That's the truth, actually. Even if a lot of people, people would disagree with me on that, believe me, it's true. Well, um, that's the reason. Okay, the, these, the cheap components that they buy, 
decisions that they make. They try to make a margin with these niche phones because they obviously are successful, at least in some range. They find an audience who are completely flabbergasted by their products and their phones are different. I like the fact that the phones are different and not boring, which is one of the reasons why I bought Sony. I'll get back to that later. But keyboards, ah, I love them. I really do. I love keyboards. I think the Titan Pocket keyboard was one of the best that they've produced. And according to some sources online who have, uh, who had the joy and the luxury of getting the prototype from Unihertz, the first promotion material to actually, you know, analyze themselves without giving too much away of the phone itself and the interior, the, the, the specs and all that. They were not allowed to do that. No disclosure here. But, um... Well, they, they played around with that phone. And we have uh, Tech Odyssey, for example, who is a total uh, keyboard nuthead, who is an enthusiast beyond belief. And he loves all this stuff. He's a nice guy. I like him. But I think he's a bit too gullible when it comes to this kind of stuff and what Unihertz is doing. And um, he loves this device. He really does. He wants it. He, he wants to use it. It's not perfect. I think he knows that himself. But he's just happy that there's another keyboard phone, phone out out on the market that people can purchase and use and just be happy about that, which is fine. I get that. But my biggest concern is why would you buy it? Because I've been asking myself that same question. Uh, I was interested in supporting it. I wanted to back this product again and give it one last shot if they can actually pull it off. But then, you know, I have concerns. I have asked, I have asked myself, is it necessary? Should I even bother with this shit? Should I buy it? Should I? What, what am I supposed to expect from this device? I'm going to sell it either way. You know, I don't want a phone like that as my daily driver again. If it was made out of, you know, superb quality and just more durable and not plasticky as it is now, maybe I would have backed it. But I'm a bit disappointed. It's not as slim as they said. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty thick brick. It's slim enough to hold. It's, it has almost the size or the width of, of an old BlackBerry uh, 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 Key2 LE or Key2 overall in general. I think they went pretty close to that design, which is great. I, I do like the design. But the overall choice of materials being used, the outer casing, it's... I don't know if it's worth it, you know, and especially those components. There's a headphone jack missing. I still use headphone jacks, not overall all the time, but they come in handy, I got to say. And I think it's pretty cool that they can still do that. And this device is so fucking huge and thick. Um, it's not very wide, but it's fucking thick, okay? And they, they couldn't manage to add a headphone jack? Really? At all? The screen is probably, you know, uh, less than good quality. It's just, it's, it's not bright enough to actually use it in daylight. That's something I've seen Michael Fisher actually um, uh, talking about. Michael Fisher, in case you don't know who that is, is one of my favorite um, mobile tech reviewers out there. And he's from, he calls himself Mr. Mobile. That's his channel. A very sympathetic guy. And he, he seems to know exactly what he's talking about. And he gives every device a pretty fair uh, overview. And he says what he doesn't like. And he says what he likes. And he has a more, let's say, broader understanding of, of the tech itself and what it's good for and why people should, should buy it and all that. And if it's not good in terms of quality, then he's going to point that out. 
and he talked about this phone. I really trust his opinion because he, he doesn't sound like a douchebag. He sounds like somebody, like I said, who knows his stuff. And he said, the screen is garbage. The keyboard could be better. Everybody's been praising the keyboard. Mm, he says, well, it, he knows good keyboards. He was a huge BlackBerry fan. That is not one of them. It's, it's too crammed. It doesn't work as well. It's not as tactile as he was hoping for. So, you know, he didn't bother too much with that device. And overall, an issue that I really cannot get out of my head it, it is, is it feels cheap. It feels plasticky. It feels like you have been cheated upon if you support this device. Now, look, the first Titan is a tank of a phone. It's a brick that you can beat someone dead with, okay? Not that you should, but I'm just saying it's very durable, and that is something I do admire, that they actually went as far as to do this. Now, like I said, it's not a perfect device, but what can you do? I wanted a sturdy phone for going outside. On hiking, bicycle, and all that, you know, I, I do like go, going out into uh, the forest with my with my my mountain bike. It's a I like the adventure of, of that feeling. I like exploring the area, and if I lose a phone and it falls to the ground, it should at least hold uh, something. Okay, it, it should be durable enough so I can pick it back up again, dust it off, wash it off, and say, let's keep on going. And um, it doesn't look like you can do that with a Titan Schlimm. It's, it's, it's useless to me, okay? That's as far as I can put it. It's not the fastest phone. Um, it's probably good enough to use. I'm, I don't think it's going to be not, you know, not snappy enough or not responsive enough in usage. I think that could be still fine. But I don't trust the company anymore. I seriously don't. It looks like to me they're trying once again to copy as fast as possible the BlackBerry concept because BlackBerry themselves tossed all of their IP rights away, all of their licenses, all of their patents were sold to another company or maybe various companies, but as far as I know, just one company. So legally, they have no right to claim any copyright infringement. It's not their business anymore. They have stepped away from phones completely. So Unihertz and other companies could, could basically do whatever the fuck they want. And afterwards, it, it seems to me like they, were, they, they rushed this concept out as fast as possible to get the disappointed BlackBerry fans and customers back on track, get their attention and say, look, we got a device for you. Now you got to get it. Now you can back us. And I think it's going to work that most people are going to just jump on this device and, you know, just hope for the best, really. But with components like these, I, I sort of... Uh, I'm backing away from that. It's just, I don't think it's worth it. Like I said before, the Titan was a good go. It was a good start in a, in a, in a good direction. Now the phones that they do, Titan Pocket was disappointing bad components, bad Wi-Fi. Um, I have no reason to believe that the, uh, the, the Titan Slim is going to be any better. I really don't, don't see uh, any progress here. It's just a cheap knockoff of the original. And that, that's not good enough. It's really not good enough. I think they should try more. They should have you know, put more effort into this device to make it really sturdy, durable, um, a fast enough, good screen, good camera. And the best of all, make a solid, you know, honest to God keyboard and make it last for fuck's sake. Uh, 
with a huge battery and we could all be happy with that. But I think they cheated heavily to, uh, well, I mean, they do make a margin with these phones. You know, that's, that's the whole reason why they do what they do. They're, they're, um, they know that there's an audience out there, uh, consumers who are desperate in keyboard phones, and they don't want to invest their money in one of these gigantic um, landscape flip phones with you know huge keyboards and all these concepts, uh, communicator knockoffs, if you will, but much more sophisticated and yet super expensive. They don't want to pay 800 bucks for a phone like that. Hey, I get that. I don't want to do that either, but maybe 400 is okay-ish in some regard. I don't like buying phones for a hundred bucks. I don't think that's a good idea either. I don't like buying phones for a thousand, but somewhere in the middle should be plausible. I think, you know, that's as far as I would go. And I paid for my Sony just as a comparison. I paid 350 for this device. And you know what? It's pretty damn good. I'm actually glad that I bought this phone. And this is where I have to draw the line and say to myself, Unihertz, no, I'm not going to do this. And I'm not sure if you should do uh, as well. I mean, if you really want a keyboard, and believe me, I understand that. I love the keyboard shit. But um, after using the Sony, I've been thinking about it because I was skeptical about using it again. You know, I had a touchscreen before. I was typing on a touch device before. I had a Samsung. I tried it on an iPhone. I didn't like it. I didn't like the experience. But I do like the experience I have on the the Sony. It works a lot better than I expected. And I got used to it a lot quicker. And I can type reasonable, reasonably fast or fast enough to get most messages out anyway, or, you know, make some, make some notes, writing short emails. That works for me. But nowadays, you know, I, I keep on typing emails on my computer, on my, my, my MacBook. And I'm pretty happy about that. I still have the Samsung tablet that I still use from time to time. It's a great device. I'm going to take that on a journey with me uh, shortly from now because I'm celebrating my birthday in complete solitude, if you can believe that. (laughs) Yes, I will. And I look forward to that because it's going to be fun. I'm just like that. I don't need people around me when it's my birthday. I don't feel like it, so I just leave. But that's a different story. I might come back to that uh, next week or so and give you an update to my my plans, what I'm actually about to do, because it has something to do with a novel that I'm writing. Um, a, a portion of that story, let's say a small portion or one chapter at least, is taking place in a specific area in Bavaria, and it is reachable for me. It's not too far away, so I decided to uh, take a bike tour to that place. It's... It's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not super good, well-trained, you know, to just with endurance beyond belief. No, it's my, my cardio is not good enough for it. But I'm getting better because I'm training more than I used to. Uh, next week, I'm going to train a lot more. Every second day, I'm going to be outside with my bicycle and trying to push myself. And then over the weekend, doing a lot more than that, trying to push myself once more and getting further away. And then... When my vacation actually starts, I hope that the weather is going to be on my side and I'm going to take a backpack and all of, uh, all of the stuff that I need, including my tablet and a keyboard, and get the hell out of here and stay for a couple of hours just on the road or in, in villages, through villages, forests, fields, 
just by myself and explore the area until I actually find the place where I'm getting at, which is a small cabin that I've rented for myself. And like I said, the more more details about that and maybe some pictures um, I'm going to add to my next podcast and maybe a, a link to Instagram where you can actually see the pictures. And yeah, that's just something I like doing. It's It has been on my mind for a long time. And I want to do these things more often because I think I am capable of traveling further now than I was, let's say, two years ago. So I'm getting there. You know, I'm getting more trained in that area. I don't get sore legs anymore. My muscles don't spasm out. It seems to be fine. You know, the only thing lacking is a better cardio. My, my heart is not that durable. <laughs> After a while, I just, I need a break. You know, it's, it's, it happens when you get over 40. You, you need to push yourself to stay stay with the ball, stay playing that ball, you know, and just never letting go. And then I guess you can, you can safely say that you're going the right direction and just staying in shape somehow, right? It's very important. Besides, I don't like jogging. I think jogging just sucks. It's terrible. I'd like, I like the, the fact that you can take a bicycle and if you're fit enough, if you're physically able enough, you can go anywhere you want, you know. And I don't need an e-bike. For God's sakes, I, I really want the sport. You know, I want to push myself. I want to sweat. I want to feel my heart exploding. That's what I want to do. I don't need an e-bike to take that away from me. That makes no sense, you know. And if the battery breaks down or the motor doesn't work anymore, then what am I, to go, what am I going to do? A bicycle like that is heavy as fuck. I can't go uphill with that thing. It's impossible. But with a normal mountain bike, you can go anywhere. It takes some time, yeah, of course. It's not easy, it's, it's tough, but that's the point of it all, you know? That's where the fun is. So I strongly encourage you to get a real mountain bike if you're interested and just go for it, you know, try it out. You, you might enjoy it. You might find something that you want to do for the rest of your life. I'm just, just saying. So to close this uh, podcast off for today, this little rambling and, and uh, cussing of mine. And yes, I do use foul language. I don't really care. I think my, my, my content is mostly explicit. I sometimes forget to label it as explicit. I'm sorry about that. But <laughs> it's just, uh, there is no, I have no kind words for companies like Unihertz, you know, trying to bullshit other people and pulling them over the counter as if they are selling a superb product, which pro probably is not. So, um, on the other hand, I do like the fact that these companies are still trying to do something different. You know, and different is good. Hence, Sony. So, why did I chose Sony? What's the purpose behind that? Why didn't I go for Samsung? Yet alone the iPhone. Well, first of all, I don't like the, uh, the Surface of, of iPhone and the ecosystem. Even though the ecosystem is good, uh, very usable and user-friendly for the Mac computers themselves and the MacBooks, but I don't think the, using the iPhone for that purpose is, for me personally, the right way to go. I just don't like them. I don't like using them. Uh, they're just not for me. I don't like the whole switcheroo bullshit that the, uh, the Apple company does with those phones. And for what they can do, they're just overpriced beyond belief. I think realistically, a phone like that should cost maybe 600, 700 bucks, but not 1,500. That's nonsense, but that's their own 
uh, you know, their own strategy. I mean, you could get an awesome MacBook for that, for that price. Why would you pay that much for a phone? Why? It's not that good, man. I mean, you know, be real. You just, uh, you know, I never understand people. It's just everybody's crazy. <laughs> and look, I'm, I'm sitting here with a 350 euro phone. And I did not regret my decision to purchase that. And the reason why I chose Sony instead of Samsung or any other company, because I was looking at Motorola, I was looking at Samsung, of course, I was looking at uh, LTC, I was looking at, um, what was the other company? Nokia, right? They're, they still exist in some degree. I didn't like any of their shit. I was looking at rugged phones. I was looking at these cheap Chinese knockoff rugged phones and thought to myself, yeah, I could use maybe one of those. But they're very heavy and, you know, they don't have the best processor. They don't run as smooth as most other phones do. And I, I didn't have a good feeling to spend my money on these devices as well, where I have to assume that most of these devices have cheap components as well. Otherwise, they couldn't be priced in such a cheap uh, range, you know. So I took a dive into Sony. Even though Sony declared a while ago they wanted to retreat from the, the, the phone industry because it wasn't making enough money. And I'm glad that they didn't. They still make premium phones that are, of course, way more expensive than what we are used to. They're, they're actually more expensive than what iPhone brings to the table, right? But I am not advertising those phones. They call these phones for professional users because of their camera and, and, you know, video capabilities and all that kind of stuff. And I think to myself, I don't need that. Why should I spend 2000 bucks for a phone like that? That's just nuts. Or Samsung's foldable phone for God knows how much. No, forget it. It's bullshit. I don't need that. What I need is a device that I can actually use. So the cheapest de- uh, phone, the, 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 the cheapest device that I could get from the 21 to 9 ratio phones from Sony was for 350 at least for the price I got it. Normally you pay like 420 or something for that phone, somewhere around 400 at least. And it is called the, let me think for a second, the XQ BT52 is the correct model description or model name, at least for, for this device. And it's, it's a device that is uh, available in many different colors because it's just cheaper. And you get what you pay for. Okay, it, it, it doesn't have the best camera, but it's still light years better than what I had before. And that includes the, the, the BlackBerry Key 1 and the Key 2 LE I had. I mean, those cameras worked much faster than what the Sony does, but the Sony makes a much more cleaner, more sharper, more uh, vibrant picture overall instead of the other phones. And for that price, that's enough for me. That's, I can use that. You know, it's, it's, it's not bad. The front camera is also good enough to make uh, video calls. It's it's not slow. It doesn't slow down. Some people have complained that the uh, that the the Android version from Sony on those devices is lacking in. Uh, 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 I'm lost for words. Sorry. <laughs> Some people say that it's not snappy enough. That the operating system is not running smooth enough, and it could be faster. It could be better. Uh, personally, I really haven't seen any of, of those issues. It's not as fast and liquid, you know, like, like an iPhone is. Okay, I get that. That's true. 
It doesn't have to be. It just needs to be, it just needs to do what the fuck it's supposed to do. And that it does splendidly. And I love it. And it gets me through two days at least, okay? Not three days, that's not possible with, with usage of that uh, with a battery. The battery is a bit weaker, but it's okay. You know, it gets me through a day, which is enough to get to my uh, vacation destination next week or no, in two weeks from now. So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm happy with that. I can type on it. It does what it's supposed to. It still has a headphone jack, even though I use Bluetooth at the moment. Um, because it's a Sony, I got to say the music playback and quality from that phone is pretty solid. It sounds terrific. Um, for all these reasons, I got to say, I want to keep it. You know, it's, it's a lot more fun to use this device than I expected. And I chose the color white because it reminds me of Star Trek. I'm sorry. I just, I need bullshit like that sometimes. And it's, uh, it's a fun phone. And the form factor, 21 by 9, which was one of the reasons why I bought it in the first place, it feels a lot better and more natural in the hand than the other phones, which are just wider because of the 16 by 9 ratio. And they all look the same. The reason why all these companies chose the same formula is because it's cheaper to produce. That's why you are bombarded with 16 by 9. Not because that product has been uh, perceived as the most successful uh, design version of it all. That's not quite true. They did that because 16 by 9 is a typical ratio that you can buy in forms of a TV set. Okay? or computer screen overall in general. It's just a custom that has been copied over in a tinier production to fit on a mobile phone screen or a mobile phone device, to put that correctly. And so they said, look, we can all still continue constructing these panels in a specific size or various sizes, but the aspect ratio will be the same. We can charge good money for this, even though production cost is very low. And we just keep on changing certain key elements of those phones and designs, maybe making the screen resolution a little bit bitter, uh, bigger, other specs, of course, underneath. And there you go. You got yourself a new phone, new operating system, and that's enough to bullshit all uh, customers and make them believe that you need this piece of shit. That's the issue that I take with this crap. I don't like it. Okay? It's, been, it's an organized, design-based scam to get your money, that's all. Uh, there's a huge reason behind that, and I'm, I'm afraid I can't put that on this podcast today, but there is a strategy, a business strategy behind this. Why they try to get your money every year for something new, okay? There's a, there's a huge reason for that. If you just think back in the 1980s, 1990s, with those, with, you know, purchasing a, a TV set, the old heavy uh, glass TV sets and all that. I don't exactly, I cannot recall the technology that was being used to create that, but there's a German word for that, but I, I can't remember it in, in, in English, but you know what I mean. It's just the old traditional analog TV sets. And if you think back in those days, how often did you buy a new TV set? You bought one, you used it for maybe 10 years, until it died, and then you got yourself something different. That's it. You didn't buy yourself a new TV set every every year or every two years, right? 
You didn't do that. It wasn't interesting. There was no reason to. But then the scam comes along, okay? Um, we're talking about a panel technology that hasn't changed all that much over the years. Yes, I am well aware of the fact that you, that you have LCD, you have LED, you've got OLED, you've got this, you've got that, you've got retina display from Apple. That's fine. Different kinds of technologies basically doing all the same thing. That means different materials for the same results, and everyone knew that. So there, there's no secret here. But they started small still. Why? To get your money. That's the strategy here. Why go full speed to the most crass, unbelievably cool resolution that you could get because it's, it's possible to build it? Yes, it is. Is it feasible? No. Is it reasonable, a good idea to sell it on the market? Well, for people like us, probably. But for their strategies to make more profit, no, it's not. So they started making the HD-ready displays. That means we're talking about a resolution that was below full HD. So it's below uh, 1920 times 1080, right? So um, at, those, at the time, full HD was supposed to be the high standard of TV sets. And therefore more, more expensive at the time. But HD ready was cheaper, which means more appealing to those people who have maybe a smaller wallet. You know, they had some concerns about spending all that money and they thought, well, that TV is enough for me. The technology was not sophisticated enough. You had ghosting effects on screen. You had blurry, uh, um, blurry images sometimes. Um, uh, reaction time wasn't fast enough. You know, that kind of stuff. It was... They produced this shit on purpose. That is my personal belief. Not because they said, oh, this is the highest standard. No, it wasn't. They didn't work properly, but they were allowed to build them and sell them to some poor schmuck who had no money but wanted a TV set because he thought he needed one and bought the wrong device, spent his good money on that thing, then got annoyed by it when he saw that technology was going faster forward. In truth, it is the scam that was going faster forward. And he thought to himself, maybe two years later, man, I need a better TV set. This doesn't look good. You know, he, Even in Germany, they wrote articles about this crap, about people being ashamed of owning a TV set that was too old. And they didn't want to invite their friends over to not be shamed for owning this device. Imagine that. That's how far brainwashing goes, my friends. So they went out into the stores, bought a new TV set. They went for Samsung. They went for Sony. They went for all sorts of brands. And then the whole war started. You know, just with, with the cell phone bullshit, the same thing. You got, you got your resolution here. You got your resolution there. More brighter, this and that. But it's always the same in the end. It's the same kind of technology, just a little bit different. A little modification here, a little bit higher resolution there. Now we have, you know, something started a couple of years ago. Bezel-less phones. People were going nuts for this shit. Why would you care? Nobody gives a shit except fucking idiots, in my opinion, who go berserk and need these phones because they think it looks so much better and look, you know, the looks of this device and how it feels is just, is everything. If you have a device like that, you're connected to the universe, obviously. 
really, man? You know, what's up with people? You know, what, what the hell's going on? That's what you care about? I, I read people going nuts. Articles where people were trashing Sony for doing even the unthinkable, impractical 21 by 9 ratio as a phone. Because they said, and I'm quoting, it feels unnatural. Oh, really, asshole? <laughs> it feels unnatural. Think about that for a second. Dear Christ in heaven. Oh, man. It feels like... Look, I'm, I have this phone behind me. When I hold it, it actually feels like a phone. It's much slimmer. It feels like it's supposed to. It, it feels like... This is a device that I can just use as a tool and pick it up, call someone, put it down, end of story. Everything else feels unnatural in comparison to that because it's too, it's too wide. Okay? Of course, I can still use one. I could use a Samsung phone and be happy with that, but I don't like the form factor. It makes no sense for me to, to, to build these things. But the brainwashing of most of these people have, is, it has gone so far that everyone has accepted this to be the standard of mobile communication devices. And nobody's questioning that. You know, we we could make it different. And I'm glad that Sony does something different, thinking outside of the box. And not just, you know, recycling the same fucking formula for over a decade. Why would you do that? Answer, like I said before, it's a strategy scam. They're pulling the money out of your pocket by making you believe this is the right thing to do. This is the way to go. This is the newest, the newest trend. Be a part of it. Don't be an outsider. Buy this shit. And I don't like that. I just don't. I need something different because everything else bores the fuck out of me. And I don't want that. I just, I have no reason to. I feel more excited about buying something completely different that has nothing to do with the norm. Especially when talking about Samsung will behave like, they're the only inventors on the planet who do good things, and in parts they actually do. Their products are not bad. I'm not saying they're trash, but these design choices are based on the strategy of scamming customers, of forcing you to buy stuff that you don't really need, especially when it's about you know the, the ongoing issues with security and security patches and updates from Google and all that. Man, they're making people crazy. They really do. I know there's danger out there, but come on, be realistic. You can still use the same OS that you had five years ago and release updates, security patches for that version, and it will work. It just will because it's just software for fuck's sake. You don't have limits here. They just claim that there are limits. And then they make up some shit as they go along, scamming you once again. That's the world we live in, okay? I'm not sure how long I can use my phone before Sony is going to advertise something to me and, and, and you know recommend me to switch that device and go with something else. I hope they're not going to do that because they said they make some advertisement for these phones. If you treat them the right way and charge them with a slow charger, which they have shipped uh, with, with this device together instead of a fast charging device, they claim that you can use the battery much longer than what the warranty claims it can hold. So that's a good, uh, that's, an, that's an attitude and an argument that I can respect. 
where I can say to myself, okay, they are thinking ahead. Um, they're even making advertisement for it, trying to uh, clarify what is good for this device and what might be good for your wallet as well. So you can have the best user experience with this device, maybe longer than two years, you know. That makes more sense to me, okay? that This is something we should pay attention to. And not just, oh, look, the newest device. I, my old phone is one year old. Pff, fuck it. You know, gone with the wind and get me something new. Get me the hottest shit on the market. No. No, really not. That's also one of the reasons why I said, uh, you know, when I show the finger to Unihertz and say, enough is enough. Either you try something really good, you can be different, it's fine, but put more, more effort into this stuff and not just rush a product out just because you can. Okay, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Fair and square, right? So. Oh, I'm getting a sore throat from from being enraged here in front of the, in front of the microphone. I'm going to end this podcast today. I think I, I said enough. Um, you got my point of view now. It was mostly about the phone thing. Once again, you know, keyboard. Yeah, well, I understand the fascination behind that. I still understand why people want a keyboard phone. I would love to have one if I if I could trust it enough, you know. But I think I'm, I'm not really missing it that much, to be honest. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot of nostalgia behind it. Um, BlackBerry was still one of the absolute best developers out there, at least in my opinion. And what we have now is mostly the same, with slight exceptions, like the device I, I bought. I, I pull my hat to Sony for at least trying it and doing it. And if you use it, like, like I do, you might see for yourself that this uh, solution is really not such a bad idea to go with a different screen resolution instead of the traditional 16 by 9 stuff. I almost said scam again, but, you know, well, that's a different story. I just finished my coffee. It was ice cold by now. I, I got to get back to work. Um, it's a pleasure talking to you guys, even if it's a bit agonizing to listen to me ramble. I know, I know. But I hope I can come back to you soon enough, and I hope that you will tune in once again and listen to me babble. And until then, I hope that you stay safe, that you take care of yourself, stay healthy, be kind to one another, and enjoy life a little bit. Till then, I am Dean Laxer, and take care. <laughs>